How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today I've got a very special guest for you all. I last spoke to this guy back in episode 122. I'm joined by a PT with over 15 years experience and he's now a trainer of trainers. Today I'm joined by the one and only Luke Tullock. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me on, mate. That So you'd already done over 100 when I was on before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. What are you up to now? Um, so this will be episode 266. Oh my God, dude, you're a machine. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on again. It's really good to be back on. No worries at all. Thanks a lot for, for taking the time to, to jump back on again. And, um, yeah, I'll always, um, uh, try and try and at least do one a week, try and fill up my spare time. Keeps, keeps me out of, uh, keeps me out of trouble. Um, <laughs> good. but, um, no, how are you? What's been happening in, in your world since we, since we last spoke? Yeah, mate. No, I'm good. I has been an, a lot of changes for me. So I've moved to Sweden, um, and I've had a daughter. She's a bit over a year old, so life's a little bit different now for sure. <laughs> and you know, had to change up the training and stuff like that as well. So it's been, I suppose, good just to get a bit of an insight as to what it's like for some of my clients, I guess, being new parents or having young children. So. Yeah, it's it's really good though, mate. Everything's cruising along well, and you know, as you said, my client base has just over the years slowly evolved more and more to be mostly coaches. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll specifically say that I coach coaches now. <laughs> um, so that's been really interesting because you know, coaches also also need coaching. Like there's there's just some human elements that we all have that requires a bit of coaching, and it's been really fun to be able to do that. So yeah, it's good, man. Nice. Oh, cool. And how have you? Um, just touching on sort of obviously, uh, you know, having a having a daughter. How have you found, you know, being able to manage everything from there? How's oh. how's your sleep been with that? <laughs> hey, it's brutal. It's honestly, uh, to be perfectly honest, it, although it's very rewarding, it was the hardest year of my life. That the first year of having her. So, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because like I was in a new country as well, you know, so it was um pretty tough, but uh yeah like tr like getting into more of a routine now so you know we've obviously had to learn with my wife and i how to structure and manage our time between the two of us and i feel really lucky that because i work online like i can be around a lot for my daughter so that's a really nice thing i think it would be really tough having to do a nine to five and then still have the energy when you come home to you know interact with the daughter and, and this kind of thing or like you know one of the partners has to be at home with the baby the whole day it would be really hard so we're pretty lucky actually even though it has been hard yeah nice and how have you found because obviously it's like with anything it's a little bit like um i mean I, I i don't have any uh children but you know i've had injuries and when clients have had injuries i can be like i can 100 percent relate to that have you kind of um I don't want to use the phrase uh, a better appreciation, but maybe a bit of a bit of more understanding of being like, ah, right. So actually, when I'm saying this, this is actually how it how it works, mate. Massively, because like everybody knows that having a kid is hard, right? But I've spoken to several parents where they were like, yeah, I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't really understand exactly in what ways or how hard it can be. Sometimes, like honestly, I, I, some of the lows are like really, really low, and obviously the highs are like extremely high that unbeatably high but yeah you you can't really explain it until you're in the middle of it so it is good to get the experience for sure because obviously at some point like most people end up choosing to have kids and so it is good to get the insight for sure <laughs> yeah definitely and, and one thing that you said there obviously gravitated more towards 
um, you know, training trainers uh, as your as that like kind of like client base has uh, has increased. Is that something that was a natural progression? How have you found training other trainers? How has how has that kind of grown? If you like, yeah, man. Um, well, you know, I I've always done a bit of like courses and mentoring and doing seminars and stuff like that. So I've naturally always had some contact with trainers in like a professional setting you know, helping them with something or other, whether it's mostly education side of things. Uh, And I've always found it really interesting, but having them as clients, I think is, I mean, it's not like super different to having just regular people who are into training, I think. And it is fun though, because there's, there's some like language and stuff that is just common so it's it's easy to kind of get into the meat of like okay well this is why i'm programming this way and this is what you're going to do and stuff and they get a lot out of that and you don't kind of have to go through that initial phase of like okay well i'm introducing you to an exercise or or some terminology for the very first time so that can be quite fun because you can kind of get to the meat of some creative programming or something straight away um but yeah it's just kind of naturally happened and i think it's a case of like coaches recognize the value of coaching so in that sense it it seems quite natural actually when you think about it to get a coach yourself if you are a coach yeah definitely and i think that's what um i i literally had a conversation about this the, the other day um and i actually said i have a i i have a coach um you know in terms of my uh, programming because i write programs for a living and sometimes it's kind of like you know actually you need something from there but then equally you know from a a mentorship point of view a business point of view it's always good to um have somebody there for you because i I think from a a client's point of view sometimes it's thinking that the trainers can have the answer all the time whereas actually it's good to speak with like mine or how i like to think of it just a second pair of eyes to be like have you thought about have you thought about doing it this way and you kind of uh, what's the phrase? You don't know what you don't know until yep, somebody yep. and somebody says it. Is that is that is that kind of what you found? Yeah, massively. And I think regardless, it's difficult when you're in the middle of something to actually take a more objective viewpoint because you're involved in it, right? So even if the knowledge of your coach is the same as yours, or even maybe they know a bit less than you about a certain topic, sometimes just their perspective, as you said, maybe you're not looking at something a particular way is so valuable to help you recognize what's going on and you know it's such a a case of like with anybody you often know what you need to do but just having someone outside to tell you like yes this is the right course of action and i'm going to support you with it enables you to just do it you know whereas if if you're by yourself sometimes you kind of know you need to get to bed earlier or whatever but you just don't really do it because there's no accountability there or there's no one kind of agreeing with you that like yes this is the lowest hanging fruit that we need to sort out. So um, in many cases, that's why I say like it's it's incredible how similar it can be to just coaching someone who's not a coach but has a decent amount of fitness knowledge. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's interesting you've said there, you know, similarities between, you know, just a, um, a general pop person working with a coach compared to a trainer or a coach. And I think... Um, well, it would be good to hear kind of your thoughts on it in, in um, the uh, the first kind of topic that I had in mind, if you like, mm-hmm. is that um, sometimes when a client works with a coach, there's a, um, a pain point or a breaking point of I actually need to reach out and get help here. And that's either sometimes something's happened or, you know, they just feel as though they can't do it themselves. 
sometimes from a gen pop client, that's going to be uh, maybe confidence. But there's that phrase that gets thrown around with coaches is in imposter syndrome. And I just kind of wanted to touch on what um, what is imposter syndrome for, for any coaches that might not know, you know what that is or have heard of it, but isn't sure. But then how that maybe relates to confidence in their own abilities or um, just how they how they present themselves, if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, imposter syndrome is essentially just feeling like you're in a position of expertise that maybe you don't quite deserve or you're not quite good enough to match the expectations of your clients or something like that. And everybody goes through it at some point. I think sometimes we feel a bit falsely confident in situations as well, but it's really, really common that even the cream of the crop will feel imposter syndrome. And certainly when you start getting a little bit of success or a bit of reputation, then sometimes people put you on a bit of a pedestal and you sometimes think, well, geez, I'd... <laughs> I mean, certainly if like in my position, if you're coaching coaches, like you have a coach coming to you and you're like, oh God, I hope I, I hope <laughs> I do a good job here because they're a coach themselves, you know? So it, it's, it's really, really common to get these feelings at least sometimes where you kind of feel like maybe I don't know enough here. Maybe I'm not going to do the best job. So, you know, it's key to kind of understand that you don't necessarily need to know everything and that you can put yourself in a position to help someone, even if you're not like an absolute expert. And this can come across in a, in a variety of fields. Like you might have a, a specialization as a coach and then you might have a client who comes to you and says, you know what, I, like I want to take up running or something. And you're like, oh my God, I'm a bodybuilding coach. I don't know what to do here. Um, but there's still ways that you can uh, n not be an imposter and you can help this person, even if you're not a running expert, for example. So, um, you know, it, again, it's it's common to see and it's something that we all have to deal with at some point. So I think it's worth exploring and understanding like how can you overcome it and, you know, when is it appropriate to actually feel like you need to maybe refer to someone else or something like that. Um, but certainly it's an area that is going to happen to you at some point. Yeah. And is that... Um... Is that always going to, uh, I don't know what the phrase is, not flare up, but show up at different points within? Because obviously as a beginner, you're going to be thinking, well, I'm literally just qualified. I've, I've literally just learned something. Like, why are people paying me money for this? And then obviously as you become more experienced, there might always be that element because um, you gradually expand your network, client mm -hmm. base, following what, whatever it may be. Is there always going to be, or have you found that there's always going to be maybe a little bit in the background as you progress or as coaches progress through their career? Yeah, mate, I think so. And, you know, there's the classic sort of Dunning-Kruger where people feel a bit more confident about stuff that they don't really know too much about um, purely because they don't know that there's this whole other world out there that they don't know anything about. So you don't know what you don't know. But I think it, it creeps along and it shows up sometimes because if you kind of think about it, I, I almost had this realization through my training, actually through, as I progressed my physique, that there, there's almost like different sized ponds that you end up jumping from. Right. So when you're first starting out, there's kind of no real expectation, you know, let's, let's use an analogy to like, if you're training for like physique or powerlifting or something, it's like, yeah, I know I'm weak. I know I'm small, you know, I'm not trying to compete with with competitive bodybuilders or, or powerlifters. I'm just trying to get a bit better. And it's kind of the same at the start of your personal training career. You're just kind of trying to get a bit better and build up a client base and get some experience and this kind of thing. And then, so you've, you feel like, okay, I know I don't know anything, but 
then you get a bit of experience and your client base starts growing or maybe if we use the analogy you get a bit stronger and you do your first competition and stuff and now what you're comparing yourself to is people in the competition maybe other novice powerlifters or novice bodybuilders so you you're into a bigger pond now and you're still a small fish in this big bigger pond but eventually you outgrow that pond and then you jump to a bigger one and so eventually what happens is like you're getting better you're gaining experience as you go along but there's always a stage where there is someone with more knowledge than you with a bigger following with a bigger physique with a bigger total or whatever and sometimes what happens is you feel like you're kind of on top of things and then you suddenly realize like oh crap there's there's another ladder that i need to climb up now there's a bigger pond and now you're in that pond so you know sometimes for example i'll get questions on my instagram or something like this that are like pretty complicated and it's like dude I don't have a PhD in that, <laughs> you know, but you're talking to me as if I do, which is really uh, gratifying. It's like very nice that people think I actually know something about this topic, but like I don't. And then you kind of feel like, oh crap, like should I be actually answering this question? Like, how do I go about this? Do people think I'm more knowledgeable than I actually am? Am I kind of tricking them into that? Like it's always going to show up at some point. So I think you kind of it kind of goes in these waves to answer your question where you sort of feel like you're getting on top of things and then you might just suddenly realize like, oh man, there's this whole area that I actually don't know anything about or uh whatever and then you kind of get a handle on something else hey i did a really good job with this client but then oh man this other client like i just i felt so lost and whatever so in my experience it does come in waves no matter how knowledgeable you get there's always something that you don't know right yeah definitely and i think sometimes because there is a um an element or maybe a i don't know a, a myth or a thought that uh, there can be uh, some trainers that will think I know everything that I need to I, I need to know about this or they'll maybe um, neglect other areas so I've been doing this for a while I don't I don't need to do the other thing is there a um, is there pros and cons to maybe thinking that you've overcome imposter syndrome it's not a thing anymore I know exactly what I'm doing I know exactly what to do but then equally could it actually be a little bit uh, could it be detrimental on the other side of it thinking you know actually holding coaches back from potentially reaching their full potential i hope i'm yeah, explaining yeah. that right it's a, yeah. no it's a really good point it's a really good point like you do have to have some humility right you have to realize that uh you're not the best at, at everything and so that can help you to actually understand hey where am i going to apply my skills where do i need to learn more where do i need to refer people on this kind of thing but i you know i see that and i also see the there's a problem with that sometimes as well, where people are just unsure of taking a stance on something and having an opinion. You know, um, I think that that sometimes we are told that the best answers in a lot of situations are, oh, maybe, and it depends. And that's that's certainly true. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion on something and then changing mm -hmm. your mind on it later. I think it just requires some kind of intellectual humility and recognizing that, hey, I could be wrong about this, but you know, I, I know a reasonable amount about this area and it's probably like this and I'm pretty happy to be able to help someone with the knowledge that I have and with the opinion that I have, but I'm open to changing my mind in the future. So, you know, I think that the problem is that if you, if you let imposter syndrome go too far, then you end up kind of undermining your self-confidence and your ability to actually help people. Because like I said, you know, maybe you think you can't do the job and so you hold back. But on the other hand, you also don't want to get too overconfident. And sometimes that imposter syndrome, if you recognize that you're getting it every now and then, that's a good thing because it is showing that you actually recognize that your abilities are not 
uh, you know, maxed out in every area as well. Um, what sometimes happens as well is that sometimes the imposter syndrome is so strong in a particular area that you kind of just go, I'm going to ignore that completely. And it happens quite a lot with, with like things like business skills and stuff for trainers. They go, Oh, marketing and sales. I didn't sign up to do that. I'm not good at it. Like I can't do that. Like forget it. So they just ignore it to their own detriment as well. And so I think that's where this like lack of confidence is something that, uh, that, that definitely hurts you a little bit. So, um, if it holds you back from like diving in and learning a bit more about something because you're scared about it, then that's probably not a good thing either. Yeah. And a couple of things, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but a couple of times you said there, you know, holding back, it might make trainers scared of, you know, ask, uh, saying an opinion or, or something like that, because do you think that that's because people don't want to be, um, shot at they don't want to be seen as maybe an expert because i know i know we said before about you know there can be some people that feel as though they want to be a specialist in that area like i'm going to be the nutrition guy or the bodybuilding guy or whatever which is really good and you know a lot of coaches go to, to, uh, towards that speak about that with the um with the people who are, uh yeah people that have done um internships you know you know find an area that you're interested in because you know, coach as many people as you like. And then after a, after a while, you know, you might end up refining and be like, Do you know what, I really like boxing. So I'm going to be the boxing guy. Do you think that sometimes people are uh, or coaches are afraid to have an opinion because they're frightened they'll get shot at or somebody else in that area might be like, oh, well, actually you, you've got this wrong as opposed to the con of it uh, or the pro of it even is, oh, well, actually they've said an opinion on this. And then like what you said there, they're then willing to willing to change willing to change about it. A prime example that I always use is Mike Boyle. You know, he's he's usually the the main guy to to say, yes, I'll do this, but he's quite open to admit, well, actually, I was maybe wrong about that, or yep. I've changed my opinion, or this has come out and people have shown that this is actually actually work, you know, tying into that humility side of things that that, that you touched on. Yeah, mate, for sure. Uh, you know. The problem is I think it's a little bit magnified by stuff like social media because I've really experienced this issue where you're almost afraid to post something sometimes because you know that that's going to go out to a bunch of strangers who might say unkind things about you or say you're wrong or they might send it to someone who's more of an expert than you in the field and they might disagree with you, which again doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. It might just be a different context or it might be a learning opportunity for you or you might get it mostly right, whatever it is. But I think the point is that putting yourself out there sometimes can be really, really scary. And you think like, maybe I'm not good enough to post an opinion on this because some random might take a pot shot at me or whatever on, yeah. on the internet. And I've found that as my audience has grown, that's been kind of scary for me because now it's some, some of my posts like literally reach millions of accounts mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, what if I've gotten something wrong here? Like there's millions of eyes on this that could call me out on it. So you kind of got to get over that because ultimately you're not going to be right every time. And I think as long as you're sort of reasonable and you're honest about the fact that like you have done a bit of research or something on a particular topic, then it's perfectly reasonable to have an opinion on it, to have a professional opinion on it. And again, you can learn and you can change it. It's not really a big deal. Um, and again, like you don't need to be an absolute expert in something to help somebody with an issue. You can have a little bit of knowledge and you can understand where your limits are and you can still help someone with it even if you aren't like the boxing guy or whatever. 
you still might be able to help someone a little bit. So um, I think there is that that element of it. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing all the time because ultimately I think every coach kind of comes to this realization at some point that you've got people's health and well-being in your hands. Mm. You know, and I sort of, this like just dawned on me once because I started personal training when I was 18 years old, you know, and I had these people coming to me and I, when I was like maybe 18, 19, I was like, oh, geez, actually like, you know, I could injure this person. I could affect their health for the rest of their life. I'm just some 19 year old kid, you know, but ultimately I was still able to help people, even if I was inexperienced. And even if I didn't know absolutely everything at that time, and there's a lot of things that I would have changed that are, you know, now with (laughs) 15, 16 years of experience, but uh, you know, nonetheless still had an overall positive impact on those people in general. So, um, yeah, mate, it's uh, it's definitely scary putting yourself out there and having an opinion on something. Again, like I don't think we should be just doing hot takes all the time, but at the same time, I think you've got to back yourself. And if what you're saying is reasonable and someone kind of takes a shot at you for it, it's like it's their problem, honestly. Yeah, I think that's it because just touching on the social media side of things, it's not always, it's kind of that thing of filtering the information because literally anybody could comment and say, you could put anything out on Instagram, for example, and no one's going to say, oh, well, no, actually, like no one's going to look back through and look at it. Whereas actually sometimes people will look back and through it and send, you know, oh, well, actually there's this study about this. I remember once I had, um, uh, it was a, it was a, somebody commented on a, on, a, on a post and they mentioned a study awesome studies are brilliant you know science you know you use that but actually the um uh the participants were um basically uh obese females of a certain age and relative to that population it was correct however you can't always my point was you can't always apply that to everybody so even though that study was like yep this and this will happen that makes sense it's a case of you can't then just apply that apply that to everything because some some things can be mis, misinterpreted um i know for me like that I'm, I'm not sure whether um, whether you've signed up to it but what i find really helpful is the the mass so the monthly yeah, application awesome, yeah Love i that. think the um they basically turn what i like is that they turn the um studies into blogs like just that which i find really helpful because i mean i'll be honest i've not read a full journal since i was at uni so and I it's found rough. it hard read, reading yeah. it then. <laughs> yeah, it's um, easy. yeah, so it's 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 that thing of, you know, it's just a case of putting it out there because it's that um, rock and a hard place of you need to maybe use social media to have an audience. But then again, you know, it's kind of that thing of if you don't use it, you're only going to be able to reach word of mouth in terms of the people that you're training in person. So there's a couple of uh, swings and roundabouts with that. But um one thing, uh, one thing on that, I want you, know, I wanted to touch on just to just to hear your thoughts, and if they, this has come up with the the trainers that you've worked with as well. There's a point where, and I know a couple of um, coaches where um, in like my local area, I've started sort of collaborating with uh, physios or, or or anything like that, or other coaches in a different specialist area, just to kind of have somebody to refer to or just ask ask questions. Is that, and especially with you know the number of podcasts and information that's out there. Have you found that a lot more coaches are wanting to collaborate a little bit more and and build that network as opposed to just clamming up and thinking, right, okay, you know, I'm going to try and do everything, do everything myself, if that that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I have seen that. I think the people who 
recognize that that is actually you can turn that into a strength those are the people who are who are starting to do that a lot more because there is a fear that oh, if i start referring clients like i'm giving away business or something like that you know or i'm showing that actually that i don't know as much as you know i i I want people to think I know. Um, but really, when you do that sort of stuff, I think people warm to you so much and they appreciate that so much, like clients do, that it actually gets fed back to you in spades because they they appreciate it so much, right? So it's it's a bit of a tough one sometimes to kind of go, well, I don't know something about this. You need to go see somebody else or um, this is not my area of expertise. I, I only train like people for bodybuilding or something like that it can be a bit hard to turn away business or to admit that you don't know something or you're not the best at something but people appreciate it so much and then the thing is is if you're referring to a network it's only going to benefit everybody so what's happening is you're benefiting somebody else's business your client or potential lead is benefiting because they're seeing the right person and you actually end up benefiting because anybody who comes to that person is now going to get referred back to you or any friend of this client or lead that you've helped, they're going to be like, man, Steve is such a great guy. Like he sent me to the exact person I needed. So now I have a friend and turns out Steve is the exact person that's a perfect fit for them. So I'm going to refer them. And so it actually ends up benefiting absolutely everybody in, this, in the situation. It's a win-win-win. But it is really difficult. Like I've been a little bit in the past at the start of my career, a little bit greedy of like, I'll take on any client I'll do anything I can. If I don't know something, like I'll just lie to their face and be like, yeah, I can help you with that. And then go home and spend the next, like the weekend, just locked in my room, trying to research it. Um, which, you know, I suppose you, you learn a little bit that way, but it's probably not the best thing to do. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of get over that fear a little bit. And that is like a massive mark of imposter syndrome. Sometimes when you, you kind of feel like you have to, be greedy because you don't know enough, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. it's kind of a weird inverse thing that happens. Um, but it's a good mark when you can kind of embrace it and then you can refer out, obviously. It just benefits everyone. Yeah, definitely. And I think, speaking from my own uh, experience, I think you only get that as you, um, I don't know, maybe get a little bit older and a, a little bit more yeah. experience as well to to realise that, look, you know, it's much better. So, um Yesterday, for example, um, we had a um, we had a member sign up, and she's actually been working with a physio. She had a really bad lower back injury. Um, wanted to basically got to a point where she felt like she could come back to the back to the gym, which is awesome. Um, she used to do a lot of strength training uh, before. Wants to get wants to get back to that. Um, so just had a phone call with her physio, and actually it was quite. Um, yeah, probably just quite nice. The physio was quite surprised that as a as a PT rang him, actually had a you know uh, an okayish understanding of the biomechanics, you know, anatomy of the of the spine and what's gonna and what's gonna help with it. And then it's actually turned out into yeah, come come down to the gym, have a have a look round. Like you know, is there anything that we is there anything that you're you doing that you would you would suggest? And I think it's when it pays off, I think it's a, you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a good thing to happen because then all of a sudden, like what you said there, if somebody else is wanting to get back into the gym, ah, oh, you know, that was a, that was a nice chat. And now I'm always with the mind of, and I have a fall into two categories. I have a come for a coffee or come for a beer. 
he, he wanted to come in the middle of the day, so it's going to be a cut. He's going, oh well, it could be a beer as well. Yeah, I don't know, it depending be, on yeah. time. Um, but yeah, you know, come come for a coffee and and, and work from that because um, he's worked with her for yeah, I think it was a, I think it was a year. I think they've, they've dropped down to maybe just seeing um, her seeing him just once a month. But he's going to have loads of information, loads of data on that, and a little bit like what you said, I could have gone and learned about the injury and asked her loads of questions. Whereas to make I don't know what your thoughts are, but to make your life as a PT easier, sometimes it's easier just to go right to the source and just ask yep. and be like, look, you know, I don't want to step on your toes. I just want to help. Because ultimately, you're only going to look more like a professional to them by going straight to the source. Is, what, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Mate, for sure. Like, the thing is, the physio can't do what you do as a, as a strength coach, right? So ultimately, if you each play your roles then you get to do what you're really good at and make the most of that and do the best for the client and get a great result for everybody. And, you know, you can happily just leave the physioing to him. He can happily leave the strength training to you and it's all sweet. You know, we're all playing our roles here and doing a good job. You don't have to be an expert at absolutely everything. And the fact is you can't be an absolute expert at everything. So um, it's a really good situation if you can get that sorted. And I'm sure, you know, the first... Thing that's going to come to this physio's mind if he needs to refer someone on to a gym guess where he's going to go you know so it's a good thing t t touch wood hopefully <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully you did an all right job eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but with that as well again this might be a, a little bit of a tangent but you know you mentioned that you know doing a good job you know looking after after the client and i always liken it to sort of you know uh, a big corporation or, or or anything like that everyone's got there's a hr department there's a whatever whatever department there is and i think sometimes uh there's a thought process that there is a lack of professionalism within the coaching or or, or, or fitness industry if you like do you think that you know with this um you know more people trying to collaborate more people trying to you know, um, better themselves in terms of that business and marketing and trying to put things out there that isn't just a case of eat chicken and lettuce and you're going to lose <laughs> weight really, really quickly. Do you think that, you know, um, things are becoming a little bit more professional or coaches are wanting to try and have a certain level of professionalism by reaching out and having mentors and coaches themselves and those sorts of things? Well, that's what I've seen. I mean, I've always found that my, I, I, I'm acutely aware that I might be in a little bit of an echo chamber and a little, you know, area of the fitness industry that probably isn't representative of the entire fitness industry. But certainly in my little circle, it seems like there are a lot of coaches who are really open to doing more education, to mentoring with people, to brushing up on areas that they think they're a little bit weak at that could make them better coaches. Mm -hmm. And I, I certainly found over my career, at least, you know, it went from being guys like me who were just like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay at sport, but not good enough to be a professional. And I like training. So I'm going to be a coach uh, or I'm going to be a personal trainer. It, it's definitely moved on to people being like, no, I'm going to pursue a degree. And then like with an exercise science degree, I'm going to be a personal trainer, which is like kind of, almost overkill sometimes right <laughs> like you're doing a year of placement and you're learning all this biomechanics and stuff that you probably don't need to coach a beginner to be perfectly honest but you're starting to see people taking it much more seriously as a proper career and taking their education much more seriously which is great to see so i think it is moving that way coaches trying to be a little bit more professional and treating it as a career which i which is a great thing because you know 
if you think about any other career, whether you go into a trade or whether you go to uni and then move on to like some kind of corporate job or something, there's this whole path that you take throughout your career. You know, you do a lot of education, whether it's like uh, a trade school or then then you do like apprenticeships and then you move up a level and it's the same. Like if you're a lawyer, sorry, like you're going to start at the bottom and you're going to be at the office like doing all of the grunt work <laughs> for 12 hours a day and you slowly move up and maybe you get an opportunity to do an MBA or maybe you get an opportunity to specialize in your trade or whatever. And I've always wondered from the start of my career, I wondered like, why don't personal trainers do that? Because when I first started, I was 18 on the gym floor and I saw 45, 50 year old trainers that were doing the exact same thing that I was doing with the exact same knowledge that I had, you know, so it's really great to see people actually treating it like, Hey, I can, you know, progress throughout my career and I can yeah. actually end up being some kind of an expert in some area and, and level up that way. So it's really good. And, you know, something that I am seeing a lot more of as well is an approach that I think is a lot better is, is a client centered approach by which I mean, we're kind of a team, like we're collaborating, you know, the client has information or, or something on their end that we don't have. They have their personal experience. They have, their their context and their opinions on things that they can bring to the table their training history etc and we have our experience and knowledge as a coach and i think if we view it as like we're, we're both bringing something to the table and we're collaborating on the best way to move forward then it's a much 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 better situation than you know i'm the chief i'm the boss do what <laughs> just do what i tell you <laughs> because i know best and I'm starting to see there's a there's a big shift towards that style of coaching, at least in in I think it's probably small, but it's in the area that I'm seeing, uh, and a lot of the coaches that are coming to me are of that mindset, and it's really cool to see it because I think it's far more effective, and it actually takes the pressure off you as a coach a little bit to be the ex absolute expert in everything, and sometimes it does help alleviate that imposter syndrome that you get sometimes because you don't have to know everything. You can say to the client, "Listen, I'm I don't, I don't really know, but like I'm here as as just this this collaborative voice to kind of help you move forward so maybe we need to learn about this thing together or maybe we need to find someone who knows something about this together or there are other ways i can support you as well so it's a it's a good way to help overcome that and not feel like you have to know everything about everything yeah definitely i think that's a um well it's good to see that you that you've seen that as well because i've definitely seen um a little bit of a shift kind of in, nice. in that direction which is um cool compared to um yeah, when I very first started, you kind of look and see things and think, well, should, you be, should you be doing that? Is that yeah. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Um, but, oh, no, cool. And I think um, kind of along the same lines of um, when you've said there about, I know we touched on, you know, referring out um, or, you know, trying to be like, look, if I don't know something that, you know, I, I always use the example of that's why I set up the podcast and have, have kind of stuck with it because at first I literally just used to use my phone and people would ask me questions and I thought it would be cool to say, this is episode one, this is this question. Then it got to a point where I didn't feel confident enough or didn't feel as though the answers that I would give would answer the question uh, appropriately go out and reach out to people, um, you know, such as yourself, who will be able to offer, you know, a little bit more um, knowledge around that, around that subject. And then probably on a selfish note, it's helped me actually develop as a, as, yeah, as a better sure. coach as well. But with that, it's kind of the basics get spoken about, you know, as a coach, everyone always says, look, you need to do the basics, but sometimes 
even though the basics can get people uh, quite a long way, as a coach, sometimes they get skipped out. And when you mentioned there, you know, you can we you can go do degrees, go do courses, all real, you know, maybe complex things, but ultimately the person in front of you, they're not sleeping. So it doesn't matter what we give them in terms of nutrition or training, if they're not sleeping, they're not going to engage in that. And I, I think the question there is how can coaches make people do the basics better as opposed to trying to think about the next layer above, which is maybe just some things, yeah, probably just a bit too complex, just yeah. trying to make, try to do the simple things better rather than the more comp- trying to get people to do the complicated things. I hope I've kind of said that, said that right. Yeah, I totally get you. And you'd be surprised how often that is the thing that I actually revert back to with coaches themselves. Like a lot of us, I mean, we, we know what that low hanging fruit is. It's like, I don't get to bed on time because I only get a couple of hours a day after taking care of my daughter and I tend to just put off sleep till a little <laughs> bit too late, you know? So it's, it's what I mentioned before. It's, it's about collaborating. It's about finding, it's about meeting them where they're at. You know, it's not really good enough as a coach to say, you've got to get to bed on time. You know, you've got to help them find a strategy that's going to work for them in their context and in their life. So it's about asking those questions. Well, why aren't you able to get to bed on time? How can I help you with that? That's, that's coaching. You know, coaching is not saying here are your macros, hit them or else, you know, it's, it's about trying to meet them where they're at and make small improvements. And the thing is, as a coach, you have so many tools available to you. Like if you wanted someone to help them lose body fat, there's a million and one ways to set up a diet that could work. And there's only going to be a handful of those that are like truly appropriate for the person at that time in their life. So you need to try and figure out where do I apply it and how do I apply it for this person? Sometimes I'm doing stuff that is quote unquote suboptimal with people because that's what's going to work for them. Not, you know, that's what's going to work for them right now. So uh, I think that's that's where it comes in. And, and those basic things obviously have a fairly big return on investment. So it's just about finding ways with that person of getting it to work for them. Now, one thing that I like to do, which really helps that decision-making process and helps people really believe in what they're trying to do is part of my onboarding process is what I call a foundation week. And what I'm doing there is taking them through some videos and some exercises about uh, how habits form, about behavior change, and most importantly, about identifying their intrinsic values. And I think this is like a really underrated exercise. So a value is essentially like a way that you want to live your life. Okay. So for example, one of my values is, I just call it like challenge, like seek challenge. I think that's, that's really important for me. You can actually search like intrinsic values list and it'll give you some examples, but really you can just kind of make it up if you want to as well. And what I would recommend doing is identifying the top sort of three or four. You're probably going to have like, I don't know, maybe 10 or something of things that are really important to you. It might be like family, spirituality, physical health, um, learning, whatever, travel. And so uh, I would identify the top sort of three or four so that you have an idea of like what your priority is right now at this time in your life. And then once you've identified those, you can figure out ways of expressing those values in the actions that you take. Okay. So instead of it being like, well, you need to get to bed on time so that you can like have a a normal appetite the next day so that you can lose body fat. 
you know, someone might identify their value, one of their values as something like discipline, or it might be something like, you know, health, like just being healthy is really important to me. And so if you can sort of take that behavior through the lens of their value, then they're much more likely to engage in it and do it. And it actually gives you options of like, how can we express this value through the behaviors that we're trying to instill with training and nutrition and lifestyle stuff. And then it makes the decision-making process way easier. So now instead of like the thousand ways of doing their nutrition, there's probably going to be like several hundred of them that don't align with their values whatsoever. And so you can just trash them and be like, sweet, well, what's the one that's going to give us the most payoff because it's going to be consistent with your values. And then they're much more likely to do it because they see how it relates to their ideal version of themselves. Um, so for me, that has been the most powerful tool in consistently getting people to do some of the basic stuff well and do it consistently. Is that the thing where, because uh, again, you know, with the, with the basics, it is simple things that people do every, every single day. It isn't like, like everyone sleeps, everyone eats, you know, and, and, and train they're kind of like the, the the biggest ones and obviously you, you can talk about stress management and those sorts of things but you know sometimes they take a little bit longer depending on if you've had a newborn baby or you know whatever <laughs> it is there's only certain there's only going to be certain things that you're going to be able to ha have that control over and do you think you know it's interesting saying there about because i think there is um I, I got sent um a values questionnaire um and it actually uh once you ticked everything, it said, like, do you agree with this? Does this match what you think? Yes or no? And then it came up and it basically filtered out your, your top three, basically. Um, because things, are the basics are done every single day, is that where people kind of, um, I can't think of the word, just maybe take them for granted? Just think yeah. that even though they might not be getting to bed on time, in their head, they're still thinking, well, I'm still going to bed. Yeah. I am actually sleeping, but it's kind of making them realize that, well, look, you're actually getting four hours of sleep. Like that, that isn't, that isn't going to be good. Um, and then, you know, like what you mentioned there, relating it to their, to their values, you know, do, do you think it's a case of just taking it for granted? Like, you know, the, the food, it's like, well, I'm still eating. Yeah. But we're eating Twixies all day. You know, that's not going to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes it almost feels like it's too basic you know, in, in their heads or, or something like that. And it does sometimes take identifying your values to recognize what those behaviors are actually doing. Like, what are you actually expressing? What what version of yourself are you working towards by expressing these behaviors? Um, you know, so sometimes it's just a reframe. It's like, you know, to, to give you an example. So I just mentioned that one of my um, values is challenge to challenge myself and being able to have that mindset when i was having low points with the baby was something that really got me through that as opposed to getting overly frustrated and being like this sucks and whatever it, it really enabled me to just kind of embrace it and roll with it and be like you know what i have to do this and i have to do it well because i wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to grow and this is, this is it. And it's amazing how much just that shift helps. It was the same with my work, you know, I, because I run my own business and it's, it's going quite well, I would work 60 or 70 hour weeks. I would work every single day. And what I slowly realized was that actually the challenge in this for me is not working hard. The challenge for me is working less, mm. giving myself less time to do the work 
and to actually take the time to spend it with my wife to to chill out a bit to relax to let it go and so it, it seems kind of counterintuitive sometimes but once i realized that then it's like again the the feeling when you're actually acting in alignment with your values is like a light bulb goes off it really really makes a big difference and so suddenly i think that those basic things can seem more valuable or more tangible to people and they really actually care about doing them it's not just a case of like yeah yeah you know like i want to look great but i kind of don't want to get to bed on time or i kind of prefer eating chocolates instead you know if you've really hit their value then i think it's not a case of like well yeah i i don't want to have a big belly but you know at the same time i couldn't be bothered tracking my macros um it just completely shifts things. So it's a, that's why I say it's so important because suddenly it's like all of your behaviors can just be put in a light of like, is this aligning with my values or is it not? Cool. Well, now I know what I need to do and it makes sense to me. Definitely. And I think sometimes on that, you know, we've had a, I've had a couple of conversations about this with um, clients in terms of how it's going to, how their values, sometimes their values relate to their friends or their family or their wives or their husbands or anything like that. And actually it's a case of um, sometimes putting your, putting those values or looking at those values, putting yourself first in terms of, I do need to challenge myself. I do need to work less. I do need to get to bed earlier. So we've got more energy, got more time to actually be able to enjoy those things because we don't, we don't, track our macros for the love of tracking macros if, exactly. if that kind of makes sense you kind of do all these things so that you either feel confident so you can wear the clothes that you want to wear where are you going to wear the clothes that you want to wear when you're out with your friends or your family or, or, or doing whatever the whole point is that we're doing it for um not to be really cheesy but for for life you know it's, it's similar yeah. to um I have this conversation about um, obviously, you know, uh, having competed in powerlifting, you know, and the, the strength sport side of things. Yes, you know, numbers are cool. You know, at one point I started picking, um, once you get past a certain weight in kilos, you just, I just started picking weights that sounded cool in pounds because it's like, ah, well, that, that sounds a lot better than the, the than the other one. But ultimately, no one's no one's really bothered. It doesn't really, no, no one really cares. It's just a case of it makes me feel good and you know confident and even though i've taken a step away a step away from powerlifting you know and my, my, i'm near, i'm not you know I'm, I'm not a million miles away from those numbers but i still feel good i still feel strong because my you know my values is you know is, or what's important to me is keeping that consistency of training because i know that it makes me feel good if i'm if i'm training it then means that i'm going to be more organized with my week if i'm more organized with my week i know i can you know and it's a domino effect like what you mentioned there about you know when we're building habits you know it's got to be able to to, to be able to build up from there um so yeah and i think i thought that was uh that was quite interesting in terms of a, a couple of a couple of topics touched on there um especially about that being being better at the basics but um i know i asked this question at the end of the uh at the end of the first episode but i always like to ask this question for anyone for everyone listening who um from all the topics that we've um chatted about today what would be your take-home points luke or words of wisdom yeah well to definitely to recap it is that it's it's really, really normal to feel imposter syndrome and to feel like you don't know what you're doing at something, especially if you're a coach and you've got someone's health in your hands. But it's kind of a healthy thing to have as well. 
And um, I would just encourage people to sort of have some intellectual humility, but also to be sort of confident enough to put themselves out there to have an opinion. And I think it helps a lot if you go through and, and do that values exercise. I, I honestly believe that that is like absolutely key for everybody to go through and do. So um, definitely if you just Google something like, you know, identify intrinsic values or something like that, you'll be able to find it. it's a really simple thing to do. And then you can sort of act from that and it makes such a, such a big difference, honestly. But, uh, you know, really normal to, to feel like you have to know everything and you don't take it from me. Who's now, I think this is now my 16th year or something in the industry. So yeah, really, really normal to feel that. But, um, you know, as you go through, you kind of figure all of that stuff out. And I think that having that collaborative approach is probably where a lot of coaches start to arrive, the more experience they've had. So if you are maybe a coach who's earlier in your career, uh, having that switch in mindset of like, this is collaborative, this is client led, um, is something that I wish I'd done a little bit earlier in my career. And it makes a really big difference to my job satisfaction and, and to the results we get as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, well, thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on, Luke. Really enjoyed the the, the first episode. I know that was really really well received. Um, really looking. Uh, was really glad to have you ha- have you back on and enjoy catching up with you today. Um, if anyone has any questions about what we've chatted about today, see the content that you put out there, or even you know you know work with your work with yourself, work and people find you or reach out to you. Yeah, my website is lukatullock.com or my Instagram. And that's got uh, like all the info and stuff in my bio as well. So go there. You can feel free to message me or whatever as well. That's all cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time to jump on. Thanks a lot to everyone listening. And I will see you all next week.